Hello, boys and ghouls, and welcome to an enriched and fortified Halloween episode. First, join the party as we drop in on the 80s teenagers of Midnight Hour, a made-for-TV movie from 1985. Then, listen in as we go way back to the sometimes spooky Halloween broadcasts of old-time radio. And part of this complete breakfast, we're giving you a heaping spoonful of history all about the monster cereals with their scary shapes, little sweeties, and monstrous mascots. So, stay tuned as we proudly present our latest installment of informative and entertaining autumnal episodes that we are calling Halloweenies 4. should have worked on this ahead of time clearly no this is what makes it fun okay happy halloween happy halloween to you too it's the october and therefore halloween episode of boys and ghouls so you don't need to add in clips later i'll just do all the sound okay yeah good and any spookery that you've been up to you and i went to a halloween horror nights we did Indeed. Made a good night of it. You know, the, I've been, really the most Halloweening I've done is I've done a little bit of um, exploring my neighborhood to see, like, week over week to see who's putting out their decorations. You've been taking Halloween walks. Yes. On the reg. Yeah, yeah. And I gotta say that the one house that I took you to that has all the pumpkins. Yeah. Nothing yet. And I'm like, are they gonna skip it this year? Uh, there, know, there's some heavy hitters that are skipping this year. Yeah, like um, Boney Island and, and uh, uh, the Ghost Train, which breaks my soul. And Backyard's Maze seasons. is taking the year, the year off. Really? Oh, yeah. Alec really wanted to go back to that one. Damn. I do think House at Haunted Hill is up this year again. Okay, I haven't gotten the SoCal Haunt list yet. The SoCal Haunt list this year is intimidating. It's bigger than ever. Okay. It's very big. Yeah. You can just Google it. If you want to take a look. But yeah, I've been doing that, and I've been um, watching spooky stuff with my husband. Alec loves to watch, like, recaps of entire spooky franchises. So we'll watch, like, a 30-minute recap of, like, oh, the, the, the that someone, movies. Someone, yeah, like, like outside YouTube. of them has done? Not, yeah. not just, like, previously? On, no. No. Yeah. Like, on YouTube. Okay. Um, we'll watch things like that. Or last night, actually, we watched A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors because he'd never seen it. Okay. Um, I don't know how to explain what feels Halloweeny and what doesn't because he was like, what about Alien? And I was like, mm, space doesn't feel like Halloween. And he was like, mm, 
No, okay. no crisp autumns in space. Yeah, not that there's a crisp autumn in Dream Warriors, but for whatever reason, no. I was like, like Freddy qualifies. And there's not a crisp autumn in Los Angeles, which is why we run after these things. Yeah. Like, uh... Well, we get a crisp autumn. It just happens in, like, December. Yeah. <laughs> no, it got kind of cold, like, like for, like, two days. I know. And I could already smell, like, chimney smoke. <sighs> like, someone else was like, quick, fire up the chimney, it's time! And then it went back up into, like, 88 degrees the next day. But we'll get there. What about you? Have you been spooking? I did get out to a burlesque show that was themed after the craft. It was what? called Craftlesque. Interesting, because Matthew went to something that was that, but yeah, if you were well, there on the same night or not, I don't know. I would have seen him. Okay. Yeah. It small it's not that big. Well, at any rate, he went to see that as well. Yeah, he, he performed with like one or more of the um, cast members in the past for other projects. Ah. And uh, these are like musical burlesque, sure. which is like take a property and do like a parody of it. Right. With songs that aren't from that property. Mm -hmm. An unauthorized musical parody, but with more sexiness. Indeed. Got it. Indeed. So was it fun? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And all of the songs were like 90s songs. And a lot of the jokes were sort of like inside jokes. Um, things that we've noticed about it over time. Sure. You know, the craft's place in our zeitgeist. We are having, I feel, a bit of a craft dissonance. Yeah. Lately. Is in it the time? last few years. I think so. Been like because, 25 years? Well, they're they're remaking it. And maybe it's just my own personal whatever. I just feel like it's come up a lot more in recent years. I had a couple of girlfriends who are about as younger than me as I am than you. And I got to show it to them. They'd seen it like years ago or it's something. It's an interesting but, gap. Mm -hmm, it is. Yeah. There are a lot of things were aligned on, but a lot of things were not. And so I was like, oh my God, this movie is my everything. Please, may I? And we had a good night watching that. So... Yeah, I don't know. It feels like the craft is kind of hot right now. Um, we'll get back to the craft soon enough. And the subject of us needing Halloween, like a morphine drip. Us needing images of like crisp autumns and orange pumpkins. Because LA is still... I'm looking out the window like it's, <laughs> like it's gonna Give let me know. Yeah. It's just still LA. It's still just like... Palm trees and, you know, every now and then we get to wear a, a jacket. Right. Which is why, I mean, to your point. So the other day I was looking at listicles of October movies. Just yeah. like hoping to find something. That, and people just get it wrong, Marshall. Because you'll see all these lists from all these different publications that are like, here are a bunch of horror movies to watch in October. And they're listing things like Jaws and Friday the 13th. And I'm like... What are they thinking? Because to you and I, and to a lot of people I know who, yeah, who really value Halloween, those are like Halloween, summer horror. Those are not October horror movies. And I think one of the things we strive to do here on Boys and Ghouls is create a good, fun, spooky feeling, especially in our Halloweenies episodes. Yeah. And we watched a movie. I think that's what you're getting. Yeah. Well, at, that's that's what I'm going towards for this episode. And, and while I would say, like, you know, anybody going to have people over for like a scary movie night around Halloween, please. Watch The Greats. Watch Nightmare on Elm Street, even though it's got nothing to do with Halloween, specifically. And watch Friday the 13th. I'm having my it's girlfriend at least over to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre tomorrow night, though it's not Halloween-y, because yeah. they haven't seen it's it. It's so hot and, and grimy scary. and gross. Yeah, they wanted to be scared, and I was like, well, let's watch one of The Greats. Exactly. Let's not deter anybody from that. Part because if you want Autumn, you can just watch It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. If you want Autumn and Scary... It's a lot shorter of a list. The Halloween movies. Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Yep. A handful of others. 
And that's why on this Halloweenies Part 4, in addition to all the other Halloween episodes we've done, we have arrived at the ABC made-for-TV Halloween special movie, Midnight Hour. From 1985. Tonight, an ABC premiere presentation. Eternity is about to play a nasty little trick. Who's there? On the carefree kids of Pitchboard Cove. You know what you're going to wear to the party at tonight? I'm not afraid of death. I'm going for it. The party could go on forever in the midnight hour. Next. I'd never heard of this movie until you sent it to me. Its value, well, it's, it's got a few values. But among its values, the, the reason why, like, of all the, you know, I was on a list myself, just trying to be like, what can we do this year, is the Halloween of it all. Oh, yeah. You know, the frights aren't great. The story is a bit mishmashed. The characters are earnest. Oh, uh, anyways. But it's fun. But it is fun. And more importantly. More important than that. It's full of Halloween. It really And is. autumn. Yes. And it was totally made in Los Angeles, but they try to make you think it's Massachusetts. Yes. In a small town it, where they burn leaves while they rake them. Am I wrong or did I recognize Courthouse Square from Universal and Wisteria Lane? I put it in front of a panel of experts. Uh-huh. And they said that's Warner Brothers. Oh. You can see the church uh, where the courthouse would be. Uh, uh, not to mention the gazebo. Got it. So we're on the back lot. It's a fabricated Halloween. But it's good for someone who really needs some Halloween in their life. Uh, so Kat, I trust you had uh, never seen this movie before. Nope. I had seen one scene from it. Which one? The, like, act change. When they go to a cemetery and they accidentally, on purpose, say the magical chant from the scroll. Ooh. It stayed with me long enough that when you proposed that I watch Night of the Demons, I thought, like, oh, I think I've already seen a scene from that. A bunch of teenagers get together and, and accidentally raise the dead on Halloween. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen that. And then I watch it and I'm like, no, this is way different. I'm pretty sure that it spooked me because just the advertising from Return of the Living Dead was still fresh with me. We could go fool around in there for a while. You mean that cemetery? With its zombies and its teenagers hanging out in cemeteries, like they do, apparently, was very frightening to me. I just want to party! So that loomed over me as I saw the one scene from this film. Out of context. So you thought this film was a scary film? At the moment. Sure. In the moment, yeah. in 1985. Right. And let's just call this its final failure. It aired on November 1st. The day what? after. Right, I know. I'm so embarrassed. I just slapped my forehead with my hand. We're embarrassed for ABC. Oh, I just facepalmed. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, man. Aired November 1st. Wow. Halloween is one of those things that... Like, the build-up is incredible, but once it's done, it's just done. Yeah. Hey, man. Halloween was yesterday. Let's get an overview of this Halloween-y treat that we picked for our Halloween episode. Yeah, as I started watching it, I was like, wow, this 
first of all, the makeup is great. Yeah. I think the makeup's really fun. I was texting your friends and mine, Matthew and Daniel, who I mention every episode of this. I talk to them all the time. But I was telling them, I was like, oh my gosh, I sent them a video of the dance sequence from this movie. Sure. And I was like, can you believe this movie? You might say, oh, it's a musical. No, it is not. It is not. But it's got a dance number. It does. But I sent them the video, and I was like, I'm watching this stupid Halloween movie, this made-for-TV movie. Look at this. It's ridiculous. And then Matthew was like, this makes me want to watch this movie. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you might want to. I mean, it's got a lot of really cool makeup, and I guess it's kind of dripping with Halloween, and there's, like, kids in a Halloween dance party that they just dance and dance and dance, and there's graveyards, and... Yeah, you should probably watch it. Like, I kind of, in real time, (laughs) talked myself into recommending it. Because at that point, I was, like, almost done with the movie, and I was like... This is fun. Like, it's definitely flawed. Sure. But, but you know, if you, you want something atmospheric, like, you can do worse. Researching for this, I was like, oh, you know, you sort of come around somewhere around the third time you watch it. Because I think I've watched it, like, four times now. And it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Open on this idyllic town mm. as the paperboy, like, cuts his finger on the bicycle. And then you immediately just cut to a shot of the moon with the title. And Wolfman Jack, uh-huh. the Wolfman Jack, radio DJ, going, it's a midnight hour, baby. Oh. It's a really weird, kind of jarring opening. Bam. Back to the boy with his bicycle as he's like loading up the newspapers to deliver around town. Yeah. And then we get a view of this throwback of a town. Dead leaves. There's still a milkman. Mm. There's just like people saying hi. There's a wooden Indian out in front of a store. You're like, is this the 1950s? No. It's present day, but... It's certainly got a small town feel. It's supposed to be somewhere in Massachusetts. Pitchford, Massachusetts. Yeah. And he wears one of the masks from Halloween 3. He does. One of the ones that already existed. Right. Uh, The skull. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he cuts his fingers and he's bleeding. While he's delivering the newspapers, which is fun. So everyone gets a bloody newspaper. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. He even delivers to the cemetery, to the guy digging a grave. Yeah. As if it's a thing they do every day. Like... As if that guy lives there. Yeah, and like he's always digging a grave in that one spot. Or does he have to like throw to different spots? Don't don't think too hard on it. (laughs) Because unfortunately, I did. (laughs) That's pretty on par for you, Marshall. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I've broken this movie down. Yeah. And then he delivers to the local sheriff, which is uh, Kerwood Smith from Mm -hmm. that 70s show. Yep. Red Foreman. He's very good. And he gets blood on his hands and he's like, ah, Halloween. (laughs) And it's like, oh, now we've met the town. Okay. Mary. Oh, hi, Phil. Hi. Listen, about tonight's party. Uh... Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, I know. I was just kind of wondering if maybe you and I could, uh... <laughs> oh, okay. I'll, I'll get back to you. So, it's a group of teenagers. We have a lead character. Phil. Phil. He's a nerd. He wears a sports coat to school. Yeah, he likes this girl. She's blonde. That's uh, Dee Dee Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer's sister. And wow. she was the waitress in Vamp. I'm Amaretto. Not really. Meanwhile, though, he's got a, a class presentation. The holiday we now call Halloween used to be called Al Hallows Eve. And it was a pagan festival of fire to honor the powers of darkness. These guys back then believed in all this stuff about witches. And as it so happened, one of the most powerful witches who ever lived came from right here in Pitchford Cove. It's about the history of Halloween, but specific to their town. And he talks about this... You know, this is the part where I just cringed really hard, and I was like, oh, man, because there was an African-American slave who was also a witch. I've got more to say about that, but go on. Yikes. 
Like, can we not make the slave the bad guy? Like, because she had to be hanged and she put a curse on everybody. And I'm like, stop. Can she we put stop? a curse on the whole town. Oh, geez. I feel very uncomfortable about all of this. Great, great. I know, I know. We all know. It was that old black magic. Thank you. But there's a discussion of the man who hanged her, who's like which is, a... Oh, which, by the way, her great-great-granddaughter is in this classroom. That's right. Played by Sherry Belafonte. Yeah, she's and very beautiful. Phil, giving the report, is... He calls that out. He mentions it. Well, yeah, yeah. And uh, real quick, he's like, who is the slave of the guy who bound her yeah. and stopped her? That's which right. was also his ancestor. Yeah. Lucinda brought a terrible curse on the town. Halloween was the best time to do it when witchcraft was at its most powerful. All the legendary demons of hell were loosed. And the dead with unfinished business on earth came back from the grave. Okay. Another cast member is LeVar Burton. Yeah! As Vinny. Yeah. Okay, he's the key to everything that's about to happen here. <clears throat> on paper, first of all, this project suffers from probably a million cuts and rewrites and changes because there's all these subplots that just stop <laughs> without resolve and points that come up that never come up again and it's kind of a patchwork but the individual pieces are all still pretty nice it's just like 10 movies that successfully made one so-so movie pseudo successfully made made an okay kind movie it should have been like this like 10 part mini series if they followed every <laughs> string that they started and then just kind of abandoned uh-huh. uh Okay, so, on paper, the original witch was white. And here's how I know. Because of Vinny. Now, there's some things that are progressive and not progressive about what I believe happened. Which is, they got Sherry Belafonte, who was kind of a name. She was really promoted. It was like, Sherry Belafonte in Midnight Hour. Okay, well, if you make Sherry Belafonte the Melissa character, that means that her ancestor has to be black. Uh-huh. And so they were like... Oh, there were no black pilgrims. No, she was a slave. They just had one, one line. That makes sense. I believe they would have done so, that. So I believe that Sherry Belafonte got a part written for a white girl. But then... So great. Okay, so that's, the, that's the progressive part. There we go. That's great. The less progressive part was they then had to change her ancestor. They can't say like, oh, in four generations, there was some biracial coupling. That wouldn't fly. <laughs> So they had to make her great-great-grandmother also black. Fine. We scored Sherry Belafonte. What a coup. But then they had to make her boyfriend also black. Mm -hmm. And that's where I start this journey because LeVar Burton, uh, formerly of Roots, mm -hmm. soon to be on Star Trek The Next Generation, his character, his main character trait, if you recall, is that he's from New York. He's a new student from New York. Uh, and yeah. he's pitching pennies. And every other word out of his mouth is like, yeah, well, in New York, it's like this. And in New York, it's like that. Are there black people in New York? Yes. <laughs> However, he was named Vinny mm. in a movie so arch that later the 1950s girl is named Sandy. Yeah. So he's totally supposed to have been on paper, mark my words, like John Travolta, like Vinny Barbarino. Sure. Yeah. He was supposed to be like, hey, I'm the Italian. Hey, yeah. part of like our love affair with Italian hunks which I've charted from, like, Pacino to, like, Scott Bayo, So he falls right within that time frame when it's just like, hey, I'm Italian, I'm from New York. Yeah. Are there black people named Vinny? Sure, I suppose, somewhere. Sure. But in this real broad-stroke movie, 
Midnight Hour, 19... Seems like there must 1985, be a reason. Yeah. which wasn't the Dark Ages, but wasn't that progressive either. Well, we can't have her Sherry Belafonte... Uh, Dating a white guy. Yeah, so we better cast... Uh, who have we got? LeVar Burton. Sure. Great news, everybody. We got the kid from Roots. Ah, <laughs> oh, good job all around. Should we change his... Should we his... change his name? No. Nah. No. Should we change the whole thing hey, in New York? Nah. No. I mean, he never does the accent. Yeah. But just, just picture it on paper. Sure, sure, sure. And I guess I'm not giving much credit to the writers of this film, or maybe I am. Or Look. The casting. Sometimes things happen very quickly, especially with a movie like this, I'm sure. Yeah. It just like the race thing. So around the same time, uh, Beverly Hills Cop was a movie, right? And Eddie Murphy replaced Sylvester Stallone. And then the woman who played his love interest was still in the film, but she was white. So she went from being love interest to just friend. <sighs> That's the time period that we're casting right. in right here. Yes. For mass appeal things. Yeah. So, you know. Well, you really did think this through. I love it. I think it was the second viewing. I was like, Vinny. Vinny. Huh. And then I was like, it all makes sense. <laughs> because to have, like, like, a black witch seems very c- kind of random. Uh, yes. And yeah. by 2019 standards, just, like, because now we know, look, you can't view things from a postmodern perspective and blah, blah, blah. But I just think about it, and I'm just like, this is a double there whammy. It's like, we now know that, like, witches were not the bad guys. Most of them were just women who, were yeah. like, spoke their mind. Uh, but in the Salem trials, there was one black woman, right? Was Kichiba, she a, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Was she a slave? I think so. So there's precedence. I don't remember. Sure, yeah. I just feel bad because it was, like, there, without any context, he just... So to bring us back to the classroom, he's giving his Halloween report, and his mm-hmm. whole thing is, is like, ah, oh, there was this witch, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, geez, why did she have to be, you know, a slave witch? Like, there's no contextualization. It's just like bad witch, bad. She was evil, and it's like, all right, I don't like it, but whatever. Turns out she was. Turns out she was. Yeah. These wax figures of Lucinda and Nathaniel Grinville, the witch and the witch hunter, are dressed in authentic period outfits, passed down to the archives of the old church, which now houses the Witchcraft Museum in Town Square. Hey, I got an idea. As American yeah, American I got a really hot idea. Peter DeLuise, soon to be a high school student for a long time in 21 Jump Street. Did you know that? Uh, which one? Oh, the, the jock, Peter DeLuise. Yeah, I don't... Well, I didn't watch 21 Jump Street. He's got a hot idea. Let's go into the town museum and steal all the old clothes they've got on the mannequins. Oh, and should we say who plays his dad in oh, the movie? Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, that was a nice touch. Yeah. I think anytime they got an actor that they didn't think they could, they would just pad their parts. Of course. But sure, more Kevin McCarthy's just better, more Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was great to see him. And so they go to the graveyard to change into these clothes. And they're like, hey, there's a scroll with all this stuff that we borrowed from the museum. And then the descendant of Lucinda the Witch reads from the scroll. Bestimus Agame. Life to the dead. Death to the living. Demons arise. And they're like, hey, stop joking around. But okay. She plays a prank where she finishes reading and then she like passes out. She falls down. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, are you okay? And she's like, gotcha. And the only reason they're in the cemetery is they're like, we need a place to change into these clothes. It just occurred to me. The party they were going to was at her house. Yeah. But all right. Yeah. Phil does not change into the clothes. They don't, they don't even fit him anyways. 
So he goes home and changes into a Dracula costume. But do you want to describe the face? I wouldn't know how. It's like blue and black face paint. He looks like a blue jay? It's very confusing. Like a glam blue jay. And then you talk about glam because he has this wig that's like a short, spiky, iridescent, disco. shiny, silvery, disco-y wig. It's yeah, very, like a pom-pom. Oh, it's not a good look. It is like a pom-pom. Yeah. Yikes. But hey, look, I And he never says spirit. what he is. Nope. And he's just like, I'm this thing. From the neck down, he's a, he's a completely conventional Dracula. Right. From the neck up, he's something else. Maybe they're just trying to show how, like, he's just kind of wacky. I guess. Now, the movie is not without some really good moments, though. Included among them is the raising of the dead scene. Not the actual scroll talking scene, which is fine. But when the dead actually do come up out of the ground and, like, trees are just being blown out of the ground. I was shocked at the production value. I did not expect it. That cemetery looks great. Yeah, it's great. Blowing up or not. It's got, like, craggy tombstones and leaves that are sort of, like, smoldering with smoke. Yeah. Every so many feet. And the ghouls that emerge yeah. really look great. Now, they can't be too scary because this is kind of like a family. It's probably on during like family hour. And that said, I think had I seen it as a child, some of that makeup and stuff would have scared me anyway. Yeah, like, but not petrified me, but I would have been like, ooh, I don't like that. It's also just sort of going back to uh, last year's topic of commercials. A lot of it kind of looked like those Doritos commercials where it's scary, but not too scary. Right. But just like includes all of the tropes of something that would be scary if you were there, but you're not there. Right. So it's kind of bluish and like at a canted angle and the ground's blowing up. Yeah. And non-gory zombies are coming forth. And the zombies also do funny things. The one's in a straitjacket. Yeah. You know, there's the one that, like, that's re- kind of wreaking havoc at the party, like, enjoying the popcorn. Oh, yeah, well, once, and once all they of get that, going. Once they get going. Absolutely. Like, there's, there's a lot of comedy that goes along with it, so. Now, coming out of the ground also is, I think Vernon Nestor was his name, or Nestor Vernon. I wrote it down because it's a good serial killer name. And when they first get to the cemetery, they're like, 14 bodies were buried in his yard. So apparently there was a serial killer in town. And you think that's going to be trouble for the rest of the movie. He does go and kill Kevin McCarthy, who was the judge. Yeah. And that's it. We don't really see him again. 14 bodies, by the way. I mean, I know you're much more uh, astute about serial killers than I am. It's a bit of bodies. Yeah, that's above average. Especially for a small town. Yes. You would think everybody would be talking about it all the time, always. Yeah, it would be the town. craziest thing that ever happened in that town. Turns out, second Sounds craziest. Because of the witch hangings. Because of the witch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so you're like, here comes trouble. And it's it's no good luck for the judge. But beyond that, we kind of stop hearing from him. Sure. Uh, instead, we follow a fellow who is only credited as the ghoul. Mm. And he was uh, played by the same guy who played Blinken in Robin Hood Men oh, in Tights. Oh, really? He said other roles. No, I didn't but... say Abe Lincoln. I said, hey, Blinken. That movie's great. Yeah. Oh, Robin, if... you grew some nice boobs. <laughs> you saw that when you were like just a little kid. What? Robin Hood Men in Tights? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I was kind of little. Well, the thing is, like, if we had seen Midnight Hour when we were at least at the same age you were when you saw Robin Hood Men in Tights, we would be far more forgiving. 
Oh, yeah. Of, of a lot of things. You know, whenever I finish watching a movie, I go on Letterboxd and log it. I just note, like, when I watched it, give it a number of stars. And then the next thing I do is I go and look at reviews. And uh-huh. I gotta say, the love for this movie on Letterboxd is oh, real. For, for, for Midnight Hour. Yeah, people, it seems to have a real following. But to your point, most of them are people who saw this when they were children mm-hmm. on TV and, like, it has just stayed with them. They watch it every year. They love yeah. it. If I saw this instead of Transylvania 65000, I would just be in love with this movie. Right. Because it's got everything. Yes. It's just all mishmashed. <laughs> right. And everything is what comes out of the ground. By the way, you get, like, Civil War soldiers, Revolutionary War soldiers. Later, you see, like, a, a guy from, like, Shakespearean times. Yeah. But they do say, like, all manner of demon and ghoul. So it doesn't even have to be, like, somebody who was buried there. And in the cemetery, decomposition is just a suggestion. <laughs> you don't have to decompose. Right. Like, at all. Yeah, yeah. Sandy is to be the example. All right, let's go to Sandy. Oh, Sandy. Do you always dress like that to cruise? Cruise? I, this isn't for cruising. I, you know, it's Halloween. Halloween. That would explain a lot of things. What do you mean? Oh, nothing. Sandy is a uh, pretty blonde... Gee, golly whiz, 50s cheerleader. Buried in her cheerleading outfit, or that's just how she apparates. Right, and not dirty at all, not covered nope. in anything. She just looks like a really no cute girl spiders in coming a out of her nose. costume. Yeah, yeah it's Pony been long tail. enough that the cheerleading costume looks like a Halloween costume. That's right. Because it's got one of those like full like skirts. Yeah. And she sets about the town going, everything's so different. Everything's so changed. She simultaneously is very confused and is like, where's my house? But then also understands that she's dead. Yeah. So, like, that doesn't make any sense. Maybe she comes to realize it. Here's something I was about to gripe on earlier about the small townness in the beginning. Okay, so, she's going around saying, like, everything's so crazy and different now that it's been, like, 30 years, but this town still has a milkman. <laughs> yeah. People get milk from the milkman. Can't be that different. They're like raising the flag in the morning. There's a paper pla- boy on there's a, a bike. Paper boy on a bike. Yeah. I doubt that town has changed at all. <laughs> Other than since her, her time. house moved. Her house had a fence and now it doesn't and or the doghouse is gone. Yeah. And then later she's like, let's go to the malt shop. And the malt shop is now a Cineplex. But besides that. Pretty much everything is probably it's, exactly it's the, the same. You know, the 50s were hot. So they were like, let's put a 50s girl in there. Great, super. But then they're like, and let's make the town just like the 50s. Great. But then you make her have this whole conflict. And it's like, listen, you can't have it both ways. <sighs> Although she does encounter uh, some trick-or-treaters. Halloween. And the conversation they're having is like, one kid's like, she gave me an apple. And the mom's like, well, throw it away. And remember. Don't let the kids eat anything that's not wrapped. Right. Okay. And that was her being, like, in the presence of different times. Because times have really changed since the 50s when you could just make your own candy and hand it out to kids. Make popcorn balls. Give them fresh fruit. Couldn't do that by the 1980s. But um, let's go to the party. Yeah, so tonight's the big Halloween party. For some reason, at a girl's, at Melissa's house party yeah. they have chaperones I, from the school exactly that Again, doesn't make any sense at all they got the actress from tron 
Cindy Morgan. She's the substitute teacher. The substitute teacher. And it's her first day with them on Halloween. They met her that morning. And still winds up being one of the chaperones. She brings a date. Yeah. To chaperone. To chaperone them. A party. And then proceeds to get drunk. This is not a school event. What on earth? I think, like, for a lot of these things, we're just missing scenes. There was probably a scene where, the, like, someone invited her. Mm. And she was like, that's weird. I'm a teacher. Then come as a chaperone. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then comes. You're giving them a lot of credit. It's just... Anyways, she shows up as David Bowie, which was pretty cool. Very cool. Like, that era David Bowie. Yeah. And a lot of people there, like, dressed as punks. That was a popular yeah, costume. It was, it was, the party scenes were some of the best ambiance because you could see people in costumes just, you know, shaking a leg. And someone mentioned in one of the reviews I read, reviews, I use the term loosely, it's just people being like, man, I love this movie when I was a kid, it's so fun. But they were like, yeah, it's just this, like, everyone at this party is just dancing the whole time. Like, everyone's just having a great time and they're dancing. More, more than, like, just talking or hanging out in the kitchen. Yeah, it's like, this is a dance party. Which is nice, especially when people are dressed as like skeletons and. Yeah, everyone's got like, a pretty well put together costumes, yeah. except for Lavar Burton, who just kind of phoned his in. Oh boy! Well, he kind of phones it in, and then he ends up taking it off entirely because his girlfriend's like, "Take that he, off!" He just he cracked smeared, an egg on himself. He smeared ketchup and cracked an egg on himself to make himself look dirty as hey, a mummy. Hey, babe, I'm just yeah, I'm a, I'm a mummy, you know. Well, you know, hey, you're mini. This is a serious costume. I mean, I just kind of like threw this together, but this is like, oh, the voice. Oh, man, that's great. That's wild. I'll check you out. But now real ghouls start to invade the party. Oh, man, it's so fun. And, of course, it's one of my favorite things in any movie or scene from a movie that features, like, real bad guys loose on Halloween night is that just trope, that moment where... Great costume. Yes, where, like... No one understands that it's really a dead person because everybody looks like a dead person. On Halloween. So cute. And then a girl zombie shows up and the two zombies just start making out on the sofa. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Though before that, we get to see. It didn't quite read on film right away until I realized what it was. Because it's Halloween. It's a coffin full of beer. No, not these kids. It's full full of popcorn. popcorn. That thing must have really smelled by the end of the night. Yeah. Old popcorn smell. That's a lot of popcorn. That is six feet of popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But a nice touch. I mean, I've, I've been to a, a Halloween party that did have a coffin and it was full of ice and drinks like a reasonable party would have. Yeah. But I would love to uh, hold one and just fill it with popcorn and everyone would go, why? And I'm just like, get it? And they'd say, no, because we've never seen that dumb movie. Coming up, though, Lucinda, the witch, finds herself at the party of her descendant, and she goes down to get some wine, and here comes another legitimately good scene, I'd say. Uh, oh, remember what I'm talking yeah, about? I couldn't agree more. One of the moments in the movie that really surprised me, even though, look, I was struck at first with the confusion that the witch suddenly has vampire fangs. And the witch is a vampire! Behaving just like a vampire. But once I got over, I forced my brain to get over that confusion because I was too busy watching this really cool slow-mo scene of, like, the witch attacking her great-great-great-great-granddaughter in slow-mo to the Smiths, bottles popping, like, red wine just spewing all over the place in slow motion in the basement. Really And and not just, like, bottles getting knocked over, but just, like, actually exploding. Just, like, nature is unbalanced. (laughs) 
It's like this really And none of the white weird... wine exploded. No. It's the red. It's just this really weird, like... Puddles of red wine. sexy, kind of cool kinda moment sexy. in a, in a movie that's like kind of otherwise a little clunky a lot of the time. Yeah. It was like a really cool scene. There's only one thing that can quench the thirst. The unbearable thirst. The thirst of the centuries to be passed on. Now, it's music, which was... Um, the Smiths, How Soon Is Now, mm-hmm. would later be used for The Craft. Yeah. And then after that, for Charmed. Yeah, the theme so song to Charmed. So this rather forgettable made-for-TV movie really got to it before any of them. Right. The song was relatively new. The Smiths themselves were relatively new, which I think is part of how they got that music. I was wondering, because like, to me that song is so iconic. Yeah, it's like how they get this super iconic song. Oh, it was brand new. They never play any lyrics. It's just the, you know, wong, 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 wong. Yeah. A legit good scene, as the witch is all of a sudden a vampire. Yeah. So, yeah, this movie is not without its uh, bright points. Overall, this movie has really good music that's being played by Wolfman Jack, who comes in from time to time. Like, hey, baby, here's another song for you. Boom, boom. On the radio. Yeah. It's Little Red Riding Hood. So there's... Love the tunes in this movie. There's a a cover of Sea of Love, which Sandy's like, are they doing a cover of Sea of Love? The original's better. Like, oh, yeah, I guess so. What are you, from the 50s? By the way, Phil never figures out that she's from the 50s. And if he figures it out, he keeps it to himself. It's really at the end he figures it out. Well, at the very end, yeah. But right up till then, I don't think he knows. Oh, by the way, Midnight Hour, they play more than once. And then Wolfman Jack comes on and goes, We're going to play it every hour on the hour until midnight. Oh! (laughs) It's like, well, you paid for it. Why not? Phil leaves the party and runs into Sandy, walk around moping because you can never go home. And they strike up a bit of a romance as she's like, Where's the drive-in? Where's the malt shop? And he's like, wow, how old are you? She's like, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> Let's go to Lookout Point. Apparently she only has one night, which right. is like a rule we didn't know about. Yes. Yeah. But somehow she understands. Yeah, she knows. Lookout Point is next to a swamp. The very definition of the lowlands. You are looking out on nothing. Right. Lookout Point should be at the top of the hill. Like a hill, yeah. let's say. She's like, yeah, they'll probably be drag racing on Lookout Point. Let's drag race this guy. And I'm like, I think I know how you died. You're a little, uh, a little reckless there. <laughs> but whatever. Lookout point is a makeout point. And they would have been going pretty well, except for they get attacked by a werewolf. Because every monster ever is just on this Crammed town. Crammed into this movie. Yeah. Werewolves, vampires, zombies, goblins, and little green men add up to let's all have fun with the cops. Come on, Phil. I told you the fuzz wouldn't believe us. They go to the police. The police are just like, it's Halloween. So we got a classic. Crazy kids. Crazy kids. They're wrecking the cemetery. They're calling in all these false reports about bats and werewolves. So, yeah. Kerwood Smith. Underused, but good for all the time he is on screen. Yep. And uh, so they're like, well, we've got to handle this on our own which Sandy knows a lot about how to do. They've got to go and get the ring off of Peter Deloise. She's got all the information. Yeah. Yeah. Which, meanwhile, now that Melissa is a vampire, she's going around saying, like, call me Lucinda. (laughs) So I'm like, is she possessed now? 
Is it a witch who's a vampire and now it's a possession Lucinda's movie? Lucinda's still around. But Lucinda's still around. Yeah. But she keeps like saying like, I'm Lucinda now. Lucinda's over there. Yeah. She's Maybe she's just playing around. Off to the right. I think they had like 10 drafts of the script and they just filmed random pages from different drafts. It's dead song to get down with. About six feet under. Get down. I love this song. There's a whole singing and dancing sequence at the party, which is yes, super fun. Yes, that's at this point. Okay, singing and dancing. Uh, we are two, three years out from Thriller mm. being a thing. And they've got, what a coup, Sherry Belafonte, who had a recording career as well as was a competent actress. So then they sing the song, uh, Get Dead. Not a not yeah. a full-on classic, but it was. it's got a good beat and you can dance to it. And they do. And, and the whole do. party dances to it. They do. They all know the moves. Uh, they're all just like in a big group doing like the herky-jerky moves. Some of them are actual vampires by this point. Some of them are ghouls by this point. Others are just regular people dancing along because yeah. everyone's dancing. And then they all stop looking at the same point on the ceiling, which is the camera angle. Yeah. You know, and they're like, ah. <laughs> you can watch this, by the way, on YouTube. Yes. Folks, we wouldn't. In its entirety. We wouldn't take you down this road if this wasn't an easily accessible movie. You can watch it either like a rip of the DVD, which is a thing, or someone recorded it off of television night of. Whoa. And I, find that. I believe that like, like, when you're dead, ah. And something commercial breaks are good for is sort of like resetting reality. Right. Because just watching it regular. It's like, what happens just after going the, to the next that scene, dance number is over? Yeah. yeah. Do, do they all just like go, <clears throat> okay, well, back well, to that uh, was good. All right. what I was doing. Turn on the different music. That was weird. I was over here eating popcorn out of this coffee. <sighs> but I mean, that you have that problem with, you could say that about any musical. Yeah, but at least they're consistent. Yeah. This is just like one musical in the middle of a movie. It's very silly, but I quite enjoyed it. I understand Bollywood kind of operates that way. Because when mm. you pay for a ticket, you should get it all. Right. So let's just say uh, in Midnight Hour, you get lots. Yeah. You get a lot, including a Thriller-esque music video. Tonight's movie, The Midnight Hour, will continue in a moment. But meanwhile, Phil and Sandy are having no luck. He tries to make silver bullets. From his father's dentistry. And then his dad shows up and he's a vampire. So he's like, I gotta get out of here. And then that's the end of that. Yeah. And then comes the last really, I mean, out of like four good set pieces in this film. But I was quite taken with it. Which I'll just call the opera scene. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. They get back to the town square. And after like the fourth time watching this movie. Part for research. Part for my own enjoyment. I wrote down, this is the scene that Salem's Lot was missing. Mm. Remember the Salem's Lot miniseries? We know the whole town has been taken over by like vampires, but we don't really see what that looks like when the whole town is tipped. They don't spend enough time outside being like, crazy! But this was bananas. It's all smoky and foggy. They're in their classic car. Like that 1950s convertible. And they just say, maybe if we just drive by real slow, they won't notice us. So this prolonged scene is just them driving through the fog with every manner of ghoul and beastie 
all around them, including like townspeople that we recognize, like the, the milkman. And the mailman is just like throwing his letters into a fire, which I thought was great. And the grave digger is just digging a grave in the middle of the town square. And there's this sort of Phantom of the Opera guy, mm-hmm. I'll just say, because we've got everyone else, so why not? In the town gazebo, just singing opera. And the town sheriff turns around and sees him, and he's got like a ball of fire in his hand, and he just sort of like offers it to them. It gets... It's freaky. It's freaky, and it's nuts, and I wish that scene were in a better film. Yeah, for ambiance, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, and for just, like, reaching a saturation point of trouble. Yeah. Because most movies would just have, like, an empty courtyard and have everything could be, like, knocked over... And a window's on fire, and the trash can's that tipped would over. That would be a cheap, pretty effective way to do that. Yeah, but instead of showing us the aftermath, they show us the math. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's nuts, and it deserved to be in a better movie. Uh, but the only way to see it is in Midnight Hour, so check it out. <laughs> Looking for us, Phil? He gets back to the party, and they're all the living dead at this point, he gets the ring back. They come real close to chopping off Peter Dulwees's finger. But instead he's like, let me get it off a of syrup. Cause like, it's, remember mm-hmm. it's like the hand sticking through the kitchen door. Yeah. Sandy is just like, chop it off. She's got a cleaver in her hand, but they get it off by other means. They go to the cemetery and everyone from the town like follows them. And they have to like reseal the scroll using in the wax, the bones of his ancestor. They knock it out convoluted. pretty yeah. quick. And then flash of white, and Sandy's gone, but so are all the monsters. Yeah. And She's gone, but not before she says, I love you. That's true, she does, because she moves pretty fast. Yeah, she likes yeah. to drag race, and she likes to say, I love you. <laughs> so as a viewer, you might be perturbed and go, wait, so what? Because he just leaves. The, he sees her grave for the first time and, yeah. and then for, puts it together like, Oh, yeah, and this night full of dead people, I guess this new girl I never met before was also dead. Mm-hmm. The one who wondered where the malt shop was. Yeah. He finds her grave and, like, in lipstick is written, like, her initials. And he gets in his car, which has now been restored. So based on only that, we must assume the rest of the town's okay. Right. everything's undone. Yeah, like, well, his car roof is not shredded anymore, so his dad's not a vampire anymore? No reason to see. We're okay. And then just like... Just like the end of American Graffiti, Wolfman Jack's got a final dedication to play. It's like, from Sandy to Phil, baby, I'm yours. Baby, I'm yours. The end. And he kind of listens to the song and then drives away, and it's very extended sequence. And I was like, oh, this is so sweet. It was really sweet. But I guarantee in a longer, different draft of the script... Somewhere it was. Remember the woman in the dentist chair who said, I've got my, my niece coming into town? Yes. I'll bet you there's a version where it's like the next day at school, everyone's back to normal, going, great party last night. He's the only one who remembers. And then he runs into that girl, the and niece. And she's like, I'm a new girl. And, I'm, or, and it's played and by, it's played by that and you're like, is it a reincarnation? Is that it would be just confusing enough. For granddaughter? Yeah. That's the kind of stuff they would pull back then. Yeah. I'm not saying it would make sense. Yeah. I'm just saying that's what they probably wanted to do, but You're they were out of time. 100% right. But instead of doing that, they just said, credits. Thank you. Yep. 
It's November 1st. Happy Halloween. recommend this movie to people yeah you kind of did already yeah i recommend it it's silly and a lot of it doesn't make sense but if you don't put too much pressure on it if you're just looking for some fun like halloweeny ambiance and like if you're one of those people who's like i gotta fill 31 movies in 31 days which right. a lot of people do you yeah. could do worse that sounds than exhausting 1985's made for tv movie the midnight hour yeah if you're having like a, a party like where you're just going to show some scary movies Play that while people are arriving. Yes, agreed. It's you an know? easy movie to ignore that also has like really silly, fun. Well, you're still chopping fun. up the hors d'oeuvres, yeah. little chit chat. And people go, oh, what is that? You go, like, oh, it's this TV movie from 1985. And they're oh, like, yeah. why are we talking like this? Halloween, my favorite day of the year. It's fun. It is, yeah. And if you're the kind of person who watches like the Paul Lynn Halloween special for one, cheesiness, and two, that good Halloween, that Halloween that we seem to need, Yeah. then pair it with this, I'd say. Good call. All right, thank you. Marshall? Cat. One of the things that you've known about me for a long time Yeah. is that I enjoy to listen to classic radio programs. This just in. We're both going to have to start speaking in transatlantic accents. What did you call it? Mid- I always, Mid-Atlantic, Mid-Atlantic. I, I always slip into Kristen Wiig doing... Uh, Catherine Hepburn? Catherine Hepburn. I don't know why, but that's how I get into a Mid-Atlantic accent. Arr. Pennsylvania Blue Coal with blue anthracite that burns longer. <laughs> how did you get into old-time radio? You know, I was thinking about this. I remember I was working for... My dad and stepmother had their own business, and for years, even when I was a teenager, I would come work summers, you know, sometimes. Uh And I would have, like, really repetitive tasks to do. And this is, we're talking, like, the early to mid-2000s, very early 2000s, actually. So there was internet, but I certainly had no podcast app on my smartphone. I didn't have a smartphone. No one had a smartphone. But I would sit and, like, enter business cards into a database or whatever dumb task they had me doing that was, like, administrative. Mm-hmm. And I would I found a website. I couldn't pick my story. It was constantly streaming. Oh, okay. Voices out of the fog, out of the night, out of the mystery of yesterday bring back a world gone by. Listen to the weird circle. I remember listening to the cask of Amontillado. I just liked the sound of it. I liked, you know, it's the same reason we like old movies. I feel so transported to like another place in time. Sure. Very important part of it to me, and I hate when they cut these out, are the ads. I love the ads just as much as I love the content. The Cask of Amontillado is the story of a man's desire for revenge. The story of man's desire for smoking satisfaction when rolling his own cigarettes invariably leads the smoker to Ogden's fine cut. The tobacco that's famous for its uniform high quality. That's so part of why I, I made Jello tonight. Yeah. Because so many of them are sponsored by Jello. So many of them are sponsored by Jello. And coal, special types of coal. The and blue anthracite. Ironized yeast tablets. And war bonds. Yes, easy to roll, delightful to smoke. And now, the cask of Amontillado by Edgar Allan Poe. My mom introduced me to a love of old movies like really early on. So this is like a continuation of that. Yeah, and it was a way to just kind of listen to stories. Um, yeah, what about you? My mom, just on a whim, I think, got me a tape called The Golden Age of Radio. Mm. And it just like explained the Golden Age of Radio. 
and had oh, uh, samples had from like various radio shows and would talk about like, how popular they were. You know, I was probably in junior high. And then in high school, we got a uh, Mac Classic 2 where you could like record sounds onto it and then play it back if you hit certain buttons. So I was like, oh, what have I got that I can like put on this thing? And I pulled that tape out again for like old time radio to come out of my computer. So if like you made an error or something or it would go, Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy, brought to you by Wheaties. <laughs> and from there, I then uh, had a friend whose grandfather got him into the shadow. And so I've, I've enjoyed the shadow. And actually my first Halloween away from home, I spent that Halloween giving out candy, but also with my radio next to me playing the shadow. Because mm. it just... The shadow knows. Even though like none of them were set during Halloween, it all felt very halloween -y. Yeah, and I should specify that my first and my greatest delvings into old-time radio have been suspense thrillers and kind of horror stuff. I'm thankful for this episode of Boys and Ghouls because I think it sort of tipped me over into, I listened to a lot more of the comedy stuff um, okay. this month, or for this month's episode than I usually do. Usually I'm listening to The Shadow. Inner Sanctum. Inner Sanctum, Quiet Please, and Suspense, and shows like that, which generally tend more towards mystery, thriller, than like straight horror, but sometimes they are. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're listening to this and you... If you've never listened to old-time radio... Yeah, before there was TV, there was radio. I'm still today fascinated by Foley. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, I, well, crinkling cellophane would sound like a campfire. I often think when I'm listening to these episodes about... Because sometimes they'll announce, you know, recorded at the Fonda Theater in Hollywood, California. And I love thinking about what it would have been like to go observe. Like watch one? Being made because you'd have sometimes actors doing different voices. And, you know, when I'm listening to in my car and someone's like walking through a, the halls of a castle. And you yeah. hear like clunk, clunk, clunk. And their feet are like tapping and echoing. I'm like, they're making those sounds. Someone on yeah, stage. there's a guy with like a pair of shoes. Yes. In his hands. Oh, and the, just the magic of it and what your mind, how your mind adds to the story from the sounds. But at any rate, we wanted to, Marshall had a great idea that for a segment of this Halloweenies episode of Boys and Ghouls, we would talk about spooky Halloweeny old time radio episodes for your enjoyment. So we've kind of curated some of our favorites to talk about. You just gave me a list to work off of. Yeah, yeah, I found a list that someone had compiled that looked like it might be good. I and worked my way through that list as well. I found a few that, that weren't on the list uh, also. And in finding those, found just endless. Because the golden age of radio lasted for, what, 20s through the 50s? That's a lot of 50s, Halloweens. But they kept going through, like, 75. I mean, some of my favorite episodes, one of which I'll recommend today, are from CBS Radio Mystery Theater, which went through a bit of the 70s. Okay. Now, that still wasn't the golden age. By that point, a lot of the radio shows had transitioned over. Some of them became television shows. Sure, yeah. And the television just had become the thing. But there were still these spooky, scripted radio shows going through part of the 70s. But yeah, I'd say, I'd say the 50s... 20s through 50s is when it was at the biggest boom, for sure. Uh, somebody listening in might be like, well, clearly they're going to cover War of the Worlds, the greatest ever Halloween radio broadcast. We sure have. We have. Just go back to our horrible hoaxes episode. Also, if you're uh, turned on by the Mercury Theater on the air, it wasn't for Halloween, but they did a really good Dracula. Welcome to my house. Come freely. Go safely.
and grieve something of the happiness you bring. Count Dracula? I am Dracula. So, check that out also. But uh, moving on from the Mercury Theater on the air, Kat, what have, what have you got for me? So first I want to talk about an episode called Demon Tree from the show, and I'm hoping you can find a clip to insert here because I love the way the voiceover says, Dark Fantasy. Um, it just makes me laugh. Yes, it's from Dark Fantasy. It aired December 5th, 1941. So at first... Two days before Pearl Harbor. Yes, two days before Pearl Harbor. At first, I, with all this, I wanted to focus on purely Halloween stuff, but then I decided that some stuff that's spooky is worth a listen during Halloween time, even yeah. if it's not set on no, Halloween. No, no, absolutely. Glad you listened to this Also, uh, well. same week The Wolfman came out. Oh, nice. Yes, cool. One thing that I noticed in a lot of the spooky ones is, and maybe this is just like the 40s and the 50s, whatever reason, there are a lot of vengeful witches in these stories. Witches? A lot of evil women looking to take their revenge on poor, innocent men. I mean, that's the way it's framed. I'm like, hey, hey, you, calm down on the lady stuff. Well, witches and specters and ghosts play really well in audio. Yeah. Distant cackles, distant moans. I mean, they Who's do, in this but room also, with me? we have a problem with strong women in this country. Go on, read the rest of it. Earl's death recalls to mind the weird tale of the witch of Barlow Forest, an evil old hag who, upon having a falling out with Sir Thomas Holly Wakefield, cursed him and warned him that any of his descendants who entered Barlow Forest would surely... Mm, charming old girl, wasn't she? So these people are traveling in a, uh-huh. into a town, and they hear tell about a tree that strangles people. And the tree is said to be inhabited by this scorned, evil old hag. She was scorned by a man, so she planted an acorn smeared with her own blood that grew into this demon tree that strangles people. And our protagonists decide it will be smart to go wander around and try to find Take a, a nature walk. tree. Yes. And as you can imagine, their nature walk goes horribly wrong. And it's just spooky and fun. And I really enjoyed it. It's great. Sounds like he's strangling. Come on. Oh, we couldn't have gotten far. Right over here, I think. Uh, take it easy now. Be careful. <gasps> oh. Look. Look at him. Oh. Marks on his throat. Like... Hands would make. That wasn't done by hands. See? Stains on his skin. Green stains. So much of listening to old time radio for yeah. me, especially when we talk about these Halloween ones that actually aired on or around Halloween. It just puts me in mind of like people actually sitting around the radio, sometimes together, listening to this stuff. Because it was a communal event yeah. a lot of the time. You didn't just listen on your headphones while you're walking down the street. People like, you know. some uh, some radio shows would get pumped into like department stores, yeah. So people wouldn't leave their stores to go home and listen. Right. Uh, I'm going to kill my wife tonight, or maybe tomorrow night. I mean, I'm going to kill one of my wives. I better if something's going to happen to me that won't be good. Well, Halloween's almost here. Halloween's the deadline. And Candace has to be dead before Halloween. Okay. I listened... Oh, uh, so I listened to an episode of Quiet, Please, called Don't Tell Me About Halloween. Did you listen to this one? Yeah, no, this one... Yes. Also with a witch. Also with a witch. It aired October 27th, 1947. Well, it was in Salem, this particular Halloween, that I met Candace. 
It was dark up there on the hill where the gallows used to stand. Dark and cold with a damp wind coming in off the sea. This man is traveling through Salem, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. He meets a woman. She says, I'm the witch they didn't burn. By the way, just speaking of Salem in general, mm. I'm kind of glad that if anywhere there were real problems with us persecuting women for being witches, that it occurred in a place with such great autumns. Because <laughs> whenever you invoke chicken one, egg thing. Yeah. you evoke the other. That's true. It could have happened anywhere. It could have happened in muggy Virginia. Yeah. There was a woman standing beside me. You're the first human being that's spoken to me tonight. Who are you? I'm Candace. You nearly scared me to death. Oh, I wouldn't do that to you. The other thing that I love is so much of this is supposed to be genuinely spooky, and occasionally it is, but it's so quaint in retrospect. Uh But anyway, this gentleman ends up marrying the woman who visits him every year. Sometimes in different forms. Yeah, often she's like an animal, and then he's supposed to say, who's there? And then she'll present herself. But then after some years, he gets kind of tired of... Of having um, a once-a-year wife. Right, because she gets Meanwhile, very though, jealous if he's he has great success around. And which is part of like the deal, and he's immortal. That's right. So by the end, he's like, I'm hundreds of years old and a very rich man, but uh, I've been philandering with this little number, yeah. and so I'm going to capture the witch yeah. who I married. Yeah. The witch was always smarter. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. a very... Uh, Bit of a twist ending. Didn't he spend a year, like, as a statue or something? Yeah, like outside of a hotel. That's it, just to teach him a lesson? Yeah, it's very fun. Good evening, friends. This is your host to welcome you through the creaking door into the inner sanctum. Come on in. (laughs) I listened to... From Inner Sanctum, it aired Halloween night, 1949, called Corpse for Halloween. Not my favorite. It was about a guy who, like, he killed, oh. he killed some guys in yes, India or something. And so, like, this is comeuppance for the murders he perpetrated. He's being hunted. This is one that the medium would have been better as a visual medium. Yeah. Because it's him being told that, like, you're now being hunted. I've hired all these people in the city on Halloween night to hunt you. Yeah. So see if you can survive for 24 hours. Right. And so everyone's got masks. Yes. And he's going through the city, and it's just a partying city full of masks, and he can't tell where his potential assailants are going to come from. And it's a story of great paranoia. It is. But uh, even though it's not terribly Halloween-y, though it takes place on Halloween night, it made my list purely for the pun, never hunt out of reason. It was like a, a crazy person joke. No. Like an insanity pun. Anyway. Um, Inner Sanctum in general is hosted by who exactly? I don't know. But it's just a crazy voice, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Who, like, maybe he's in a mental institution, maybe right. he's, at, like, an undertaker, but he talks about these other insane people who are also occupying the inner sanctum. Yeah. Like, along with him. Yeah. And he's very punny, but, like, darker, I'd say, than, like, the Crypt Keeper. Sure, for sure, yeah. Well, quite a chase, hmm? It got so poor Jim didn't know whether he was coming or going. Nuts. (laughs) I listened to The Castle of Lavoca from Halls of Fantasy, which aired in August of 1952. Did you listen to this one? That's one where they tie in World War II. Mm. 
with just like this like spirit of war that only leaves the castle. Yes. When there's a war to be had. Yes. And so it leaves yeah. and then like Poland is taken the next day. Yeah. Which is a little bit, it's, it's not excellent, but it's, I love the idea of a castle. It's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I listened to, mm, all the way up to 1975, CBS Radio Mystery Theater episode called The Witch's Almanac. Is this the one that's kind of a ripoff of Rosemary's Baby? It's Rosemary's it's Baby. Rosemary's, like it's on a farm. super fun. Yeah, well, yeah. It's an old couple on a farm who need virgin's blood, and so they're trying to lure a pure young woman they're making to an elixir. take under their wing. Yes, they're making an elixir. And um, anyway, super fun. But my favorite, oh. which I think... I listened to before, but oh boy, what a treat. When did this air? November 1950 on Suspense. Okay. And it's the episode entitled On a Country Road. Did you listen I to this? I did with Cary Grant. Absolutely fantastic. A middle-aged woman described as dangerous and insane. She escaped this morning from Rescue Mental Hospital after fatally butchering a doctor, a nurse, and a ward attendant with a meat cleaver. This station oh, brought my mother in law. At least we aren't the only crazy people on Long Island. So, this is a story you've heard before. It's an urban legend type story of the kind of escaped mental patient. Sure. Um, so, Cary Grant, he plays a man with his wife. Yeah. And they're driving, and it's rainy. They're in, like, Long Island or something. And they hear a report on the radio. An escaped mental an patient. Escaped woman. She, like, murdered a couple of nurses and some doctors or something and escaped. And has since murdered, like, an old couple with, like, a meat cleaver. Yeah. So every once in a while, the radio's breaking in, telling us all the horrible things she's done. and um, The storm's only getting worse. And Cary Grant is very blasé about it, and his wife is very nervous about it. And they've said to stay off any side roads... On the radio, and he says, oh, we'll just cut through here. It'll be quick. And he's like, oh, that's funny. What? Oh, well, my gas gauge says it's almost empty. You know, of course, they run out of gas. Run and then there's gas. a woman that comes banging at their door, and she's like, let me in. And You're the crazy woman. No, I'm not. I've escaped her. Oh, it is just so fun. In that patch of lightning, I saw somebody. It's a crazy woman? I can't tell. She's lying on the road. Can you see her? Is she still there? It's dark to see. Have to wait for the lightning. I saw her. She's getting up now. She'll kill us. She'll kill us. So it's called On a Country Road, and it aired in 1950 on Suspense. And um, you can find it. It's out there waiting for you, people. So fun. But yeah, do some exploring. Um, one of my favorite, if you're on the Apple Podcasts app, if you're interested in exploring old-time radio, I go to a podcast called The Horror that just, it's like once or twice a week, the host literally just does like a 20 second intro of like this aired on this thing and this night enjoy and then he just plays the episode and it's just all manner of spooky stuff and sometimes you know certain times a year i just get on a tear and i listen to a ton of them and they're wow. just so fun i love awesome. it but yeah please let us know if you listen and you enjoy any of those spooky yeah ones. If, if kat has succeeded on turning you on to old time radio please let her know yeah uh now you ventured out into the friendlier side. And I really enjoyed myself. And this is where, and I didn't expect this, like, because the spooky stuff's fun and all, but this is where all the Halloween ambiance came from. Yeah, the, the spooky stuff will touch on Halloween, but it's the stuff that has, like, kids and moms and dads. Yeah. 
that really give us like the holiday of Halloween. You're right. Which ones did you uh, so, enjoy? The very first one I listened to was the Aldrich Family Halloween Show. One of the best. It was really fun. Henry, Henry Aldrich, coming mother. It actually aired on Halloween night, 1940. Awesome. Which is one of the things that made me go like, ee, get all excited inside because I was just imagining people sitting around listening to this together yeah. on Halloween night. If your doorbell rings tonight and you answer it, and find no one there, you remember that this is Halloween and that you too were to yourself. And you might suspect Henry Aldrich of having something to do with the prank because he's a real boy from your own neighborhood. But it's got everything. It's got pranks. It's got this guy Toby loses his fountain pen down a well. But my favorite thing about it is the product integration. So they have all these ads for Jell-O. Yeah. But there is a little Jell-O pudding featured story about Edgar the Gloomy Ghost and his wife Phyllis the Phantom. Oh yeah, the narrator takes over for the a little bit. The narrator takes over and tells... So it was not only like a continuation of an ad for Jell-O, but like they found a way to make it spooky. And I was like, this is the best thing I've listened to all week. Ever since way back, I've been looking forward to tonight. And now it's here and I can't even stick a pin in a doorbell. Sam, if Henry didn't actually stick a pin in it, couldn't he ring just one bell? It's entirely up to you, Alice. Well, could you ring a bell where no one is home? Mother. Now, this is where I learned that the ringing of the door... Okay, we have all heard, like, ding-dong ditch. But apparently back in the day, you could stick a pin in a doorbell. And this was in more than one of these old-time radio broadcasts. You could stick a pin in it, and I assume it would just ring in perpetuity. Stop it. Yeah. That's terrible. Now, I assume, like, that's... I mean, when I was a kid, you stick a pin in a doorbell, wouldn't you just get electrocuted? Right. But somehow, I don't know how doorbells worked, and I could not easily find how the heck this would work. That would but be annoying. Somehow, sticking a pin in a doorbell would just like, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, until you come out and take out the pin. Now, getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldrich, it being Halloween, Henry and his friend Toby set out to ring just one doorbell and come home. However, one thing leads to another until Toby was left stranded at the bottom of a well. And Henry is attempting to rescue it. Henry gets in trouble when he uh, goes back home and takes his own family ladder to try to get his friend out of the well. And, and the authority figures are like, where'd you get that ladder, son? It's my ladder. Where are you going with it? Just for a walk. I also really like just the character of Henry because he sounds just like David Sedaris. You ever listen to anything of his? I never thought about that, but yeah, Yeah. Sure. And he goes around asking neighbors for rope yeah. and... People just catch him. They're like, you let all the air out of my tires. No, sir, I assure you I didn't. Well, fill up my tires. So he's like, ugh, got a friend down a well here. I'm, you know, pumping up tires. I wonder why people think Halloween is a time for fun. You really started, uh, started with a good one there. What else did you listen to? I listened to an episode of The Life of Riley called Halloween Haunted House that aired October 29th, 1944. When I was just a boy, every Halloween my father used to stick me in the front window. We were too poor to buy a pumpkin. <laughs> was this the one where it the re- dad and the son go to the haunted house? Together, yeah. Oh, I really enjoyed this one. Again, and I know I always go back to the ads, but I just have to point out to you that the ads for this were for meat. 
Just meat. Do you remember? And the this narrator, was during World War II. Yes, during World War II. And the narrator pronounced proteins, proteins. So he would say, meat is full of all the great proteins you need to have a healthy dinner. The meat people of America, providing a great food for a great nation. He was encouraging housewives that when you go to your butcher, you know, sometimes the cuts of meat that you want won't be there. But yeah. in order to Beach, help the war effort, just take what the butcher has and we'll teach you how to braise it. Braising is a great way to cook meat. Basically just encouraging people like, hey, this is part of the war effort. Like, yeah. you can't get the cut that you want. Take what they've got and make the most of it. And that just, to your point about it sort of painting a picture, like, I've always found that advertisements just seem to paint such a almost a better picture of what life was like at a time yeah. than like what people say it was like this tells you what people wanted and how they wanted to how live they and saw how they were themselves. being told to see themselves and what yeah. they were being told to aspire to anyway also I the, that. the narrator goes by day, Riley is engaged in the serious business of war production as a riveter in a California airplane plant. That's right. That never comes back again. Right. But they don't want you to think he's some kind of, like, loafer just letting the world go to war without him. So they're like, oh, listen, he's not in Europe, but don't worry, he's a riveter. Yeah. Okay, on with the malarkey. Yeah. But tonight we see his less serious side. It's two nights before Halloween, and Riley is full of the spirit of the thing. Okay, here's something else i got to tell you. This show aired... Two days before Halloween. Yep. 1944. The narrator goes out of his way to go, it's two days before Halloween. There was this like almost slavish need for the shows to appear to be at the exact same time you're listening to them. It's like, these are your new friends who are coming into your living room. There couldn't be any disparity between what they're going through and the moment that you're living in while you're listening to them. Yeah. Which, especially now that we're in like a streaming watch it whenever you want to kind of mindset we're even further away from that oh yeah well you and i talk about this how apart from like our special episodes that are like halloween or christmas most of the time we try to make evergreen content yeah we strive that's the name of the game yeah we want to make sure that people can listen Listen whenever you like but that you're right this is so present so very present to the point that like they would go out and do halloween things the day before halloween i think like the great gildersleeve would go like, well, Halloween's not till tomorrow, but uh, let's do some trick-or-treating tonight. It's like, what? Why? Where? What? And you realize that, like, because it aired on the it 30th, on, yep. they couldn't just advance it one day. I mean, because people were used to it on, you know, whatever That night. That was the medium that was live and was, like, given to you in real time. Right. As opposed to going to the movies, which yeah. was, you know, there was a delay even on the news that would be presented to you. But, the, yeah, the benefit of radio, more than newspapers, more than books, more than movies, it was, like, live. And they were... Not letting go of that liveness, yeah. even to fudge that, like, tomorrow's Halloween. Let's tell you a story that's going to happen tomorrow. What? Couldn't possibly. No, I won't buy Jello. You better not make fun of ghosts, Pop. Look, Junior, would you sooner believe a ghost than your old man? No, Pop. Uh, but if the ghost said it was a ghost, it ought to know. Okay, I can see you're a septic. <laughs> But it is an absolutely charming, very Halloweeny story about a kid who's like, it's not Boy Scouts, but he's in some kind of like troop. Yeah, like a neighborhood gang. Yeah, neighborhood, basically. yeah. And they're like, we drew straws for who would check out the uh, haunted house. Oh, Pop, I bet you wouldn't kid around like that in a genuine haunted house like the Sherwin place. Well, sure I would, only I can't because I ain't going there. Would you be scared to go if you were going? 
Me? No. So his son is like, I drew the short straw, now I have to go into the haunted house up on the hill. And he had already asked him, Dad, do you believe in ghosts? And he's like, sure, of course I don't. Yeah. Ghosts aren't real. And he's trying to act all brave. And then he's like, well, great, because I told him I go with you. And the dad's like, like he now suddenly doesn't want to go. Ozzy and Harriet did the same thing. Really? It's like, there's nothing to be afraid of. Oh, because uh, you have to go past her on your way to the store. Uh, I'll buy you a soda at the fountain if you come with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, the, you so know, the, the dad is Father's scared. feigning bravery seemed to have been a, a trend. What's that? The gate. The, the hinges are all rusty. Maybe we ought to go back to town and get some oil, huh? <laughs> Good evening, Riley. Oh, wait, Pop. It's your friend, Mr. Odell, the undertaker. I don't. <laughs> oh. You're looking fine, Riley. Very natural. How much did you love that when they get to the haunted house, they run into the undertaker? Yeah, who's just kind of hanging out outside. He's like, I love the ambiance. It was so funny. That was uh, really like, cute. You may not like flowers at first, but eventually they, they grow, grow on, on you. you. Yes! It's like, like, how tall are you? Well, why do you want to know? I'd like to borrow your jacket for the football game. Oh, okay. I want to get there before they kick off. <laughs> Good. Riley, you're not going inside the house. Well, we thought we might drop in a minute. I could be talked out of it. And it turns out it's just haunted by a war widow. She's like, what, I shouldn't stay here and respect his memory? And he's like, maybe you could respect it more by helping with the war effort and teaching them. And it's them. a real message to the listener, too, yeah. that like... Now is not the time to sit back and do nothing. Yeah, they really, uh, they, there's a war on and they don't let you forget it. Yeah, the, and it, that's a theme that runs through a lot of old time radio where sometimes the ads when they're for war bonds or... or After even, the war, just to send letters and, and things. Right, and like they would talk about things you can do, ways you can help here on the home front, sugar rations, you know, there's a lot mm -hmm. of, like I don't learn about history from reading a history book like my stuff gets pieced together it helps me learn when i hear stories and when i consume pop culture and for me this is where i get so much of my information about that sort of thing is like wow this is this is what it was like to listen to the radio in 1944. Halloween. i don't know what you did but here's what happened in the higgins home the family was just finishing dinner mommy please camera I no you may not Nooks, i told you a dozen times you can't go out tonight I know it. That's why you're staying home, so you can't get into any trouble. Baby Snooks is something I found that I sent you. Oh, my God. 1946. Did I listen to that one? Ba I... Baby Snooks is a precocious little girl. And she talks like this. And you can tell it's a grown woman doing oh, yeah. it. But once you're over that hump. That was the one where I was like, I would love to see this one performed live. Tonight of all nights, I want to spend a quiet, restful evening. Why? Because there's a doctor coming over at 9 o'clock. He's going to examine me for insurance. Do you think he'll find any? The dad gets involved in like a prank war with a neighbor. Yes, and I wonder how this character came about, this Baby Snooks thing. Her little shrill voice is very annoying, but it also is very funny that like she's so oblivious to how annoying she is. Yeah. Like the conceit of the episode is, weirdly, on Halloween of all days, the dad has a doctor representing the insurance company Coming to, to, his home. to his home to look him over and give him an assessment to get a quote on 
life insurance. What could go wrong? So he needs to be calm because he can't be showing his high blood pressure or anything. And so, you know, baby Snooks is like, Daddy, can I blah, blah, blah? And he's like, leave me alone. I want to take a nap on the couch. And she's like, okay, are you sleeping yet, Daddy? And he's just like, shut up and leave me alone. And of course, his blood pressure is rising. And yeah, he gets into this prank war. And the doctor comes over during oh, the, the height of the pranks. Oh. And so like, I got hit in the head with a flat iron. Oh my God. And the neighbor steals the door and like sticks a horse in their kitchen. It's very silly. And then though, they have, speaking of, oh, yeah, uh, a horse the of ads, they have a jello ad in the middle. So baby Snooks goes out to trick or treat. Yep. And they have to explain trick or treating a little bit. It's like, so what's this? I give you a treat or you play a trick on me. So we're moving from pranks into just treat distribution. Yep. And what he has for them are dishes of Jello. Yeah. Because Jello's the sponsor. That's right. Here it is, kids. Right on the table. Oh boy, I'm Jello. With cream. Some little pieces of fruit inside. Ah, that's the Jello Halloween special. <laughs> Look, that looks like a dish of sunshine, all dressed up, doesn't it? And just taste that wonderful flavor. First of all, I'd love to get Jello for Halloween. It's a very strange thing. Just, just dump it. In this, you know, no, I don't want to get it. I want to give it. I want to give Jello yeah. for Halloween and just gloop it into some kid's sack. It just seeps into the cracks of all the yeah. candy. Thanks, Mister. No problem. Ugh. But then he's like, "If you two goblins have just finished gobbling, just put a mark on my door and leave me alone for the rest of the night." Oh yeah. I was like. A mark? Is that a thing? I've heard that before. But I, I tried to find more about it, and I couldn't, like, well, just on the first two pages of Google. Yeah. So they would, like, put an X on their door, or, like, a... Ch- I think what? sometimes, yeah. Maybe if they were out of candy or something. I feel like... Or I just, like, we've already before. hit this house, so yeah. just, like... I mean, it sounds like the hobo codes, but okay. It does, doesn't it? Um, Which I learned about from Mad Men. Me too. <laughs> but, okay, so they say, like, when the sugar shortage is over... Oh, yeah. Come over and I'll give you six dishes. And then later, he's like, Jello may be a little hard to find these days, but it's a wonderful treat when you get it. Right. They're advertising uh, it, even knowing that a lot of people aren't going to be able to access it. Or well, if they do find it, they won't have enough sugar to make it. The war was over, but I've learned that sugar didn't come back as fast as like steel. So you could like take an airplane and turn it into a car, but you couldn't take the rubber that they made sugar into and turn it into a candy bar. Yep. So, for different reasons, sugar was a little late on the scene. But they knew it was coming because right. the war was over. So, it's like as soon as we work this out, jello in every house. Yep. So, they were already advertising it, even though you couldn't really find it everywhere. You didn't recognize me with a spunkin' on my head, did you? And you're uncomfortable? Well, it was a little warm at first. But it's better now that I put the candles out. And the dad, you know, the war's over, but the dad still gives a little speech about appeasement. It's like, do you know what appeasement is? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. I was like, all right, man, you're kind of yelling a fire in an empty theater. But sure, let's let's remember why we fought. Yeah. Because we don't believe in appeasement. Right. So don't take Poland. Here he comes. Move for your life. Find any others uh, delightful? Um, Which was the one with the mumps or the Halloween party? With the, the measles. The measles. Father knows best. Father knows best. Have people in for a party. Well, that's a relief. I thought maybe you'd ask him to stay for the winter. <laughs> Six, eight, holy smoke, ten dozen donuts? Twelve, dear. The children took two boxes downstairs. A hundred and forty-four donuts? It's a dad with like a house full of teenagers in costumes. And he's like, I just said everyone could invite two people. And now my house is overrun. Yeah. 
with all these donuts. And you were just like, donuts, Marshall. Donuts were for Halloween. It's all about donuts. That's been my revelation this Halloween. Apple cider donuts. How common donuts were as a party treat Mm -hmm. for Halloween in the 50s. Yes. They really were. Now, and in fact, yeah. to that point, when we were at Midsummer Screen this year and we saw Charles Phoenix give his presentation, there were pictures of Halloween parties with people with paper plates with donuts on them. Donuts. Donuts. I don't know when they took a back seat to prepackaged candy, but man, donuts. Donuts. What are we going to do with those kids? I know what I'd like to do with them. And But his thing is, there might be a measles outbreak, and these, like, 24 children might be quarantined at his home. Yeah, So for, like, a week. Yeah, so you get, like, a sort of uh, one act of him just, like, panicking. And then it turns out his youngest daughter didn't have the measles. She just ate two boxes of donuts and felt bad. Classic. Classic. Um, I also listened to Trick or Treating with Teeny, an episode of Fibber McGee and Molly. Sure. It was cute. They called masks. False faces. Yes, in more than fun. one of these shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would also say masks sometimes, but like yeah. false face seems to have kind of dropped off as a term. Agreed. Have you gotten to the ones where they say, we're going to go out and play trick or treat? No. Yeah, that, like that's, that. that's how they would say it. Like, we're going to go out and play trick or treat. Oh. As opposed to go trick or treating. Interesting. And in Ozzy and Harriet, they draw the distinction that little kids would wear costumes, older kids would just wear masks. Oh. For that okay. window of time. And that was sort of like, because we might get some treats or we might just be pranking and we're going to need our masks so they can't identify us. Yeah. Which is um, pretty awesome, actually. I'll wait out here, sis. You run on up and ring the doorbell. You look scary, all right. <laughs> okay, mister. <laughs> Boy, I bet I scare him. Hmm. This gate ain't fastened on to the hinges very tight. Oh, boy. If I was Teeny Jay's, I'd have this thing off of here and up in that maple tree before... Oh, well, my goodness. What do you know about that? Lifted right off the hinges, didn't it? Oh, boy. Fibber. Fibber McGee wants to uh, remove a neighbor's gate and stick it up on a tree. Then they accidentally knock over a trash can. And then while fleeing, they're like, who's out there? They run and they knock over more trash cans. Yeah. And then he finds a neighbor's car and he writes uh, on it. I'd take this piece of soap and I'd write... Mort Toops is a, a stinker. And then Boy. he gets home. His car. Yeah, his wife went over to their house to visit, and he soaped his own car. Oh, my God. Ah, oh, Fibber McGee. What a goof. I also listened to Bob Hope, Bob Hope Halloween skit. Um, he had, like, a routine. He did, but he made a joke that I had to go investigate. Because he was talking about a party he threw, maybe it was a Halloween party he threw one year, and he said, Cary Grant drove up, Bing Crosby drove in. And I thought, what? So I start looking into it, and Mm -hmm. it turns out that Bing Crosby had some pretty bad, like, drunk driving accidents, and, like, drove into a building one time, and it was a joke about that. Wow. Didn't Usually they just joke about his horse, it's real slow. Mm, Nope, nope, no, no. Apparently he crashed his car real drunk. Riotous. Yikes. But of course, what I was perhaps most excited to hear, because you and I have a mutual affection for Jack Benny. Sure do. And I listened to an episode that I'm now realizing, because earlier today I was listening to a couple of Halloweenies episodes or a couple of Halloween episodes of Voice yes. that you used a clip from, I think, from this... From 1948's Jack Goes Trick-or-Treating. Correct. And yes. I'm like, oh, I recognize that now, which I didn't then. We've got a lollipop, a stick of gum, a penny, a bottle of Coke, and a Tootsie Roll. I'll take the Coca-Cola. I'll take the Tootsie Roll. I'll take the lollipop. 
not between you and me, Mr. Benny. What do you want? The stick of gum or the penny? Um. This aired Halloween night, 1948. Well, I, I guess I'll take the stick of gum. Okay, get your foot off the penny. There were some other Jack Bennies for Halloween. Usually it's they're just sort of centering around holding a party. Yeah. Um, Which the one I listened to from 10 years before was him hosting a party. Yeah, there was a couple. One, they went up in a barn. Oh, I haven't heard that. So one. for someone his age, he was born in 1894. Ah, he's 39 years old. That was an ongoing gag that he's only 39. He's also supposed to be like very cheap and very vain, and that was right. kind of the... The whole oh, yeah, Jack the Benny party shtick. episode I listened to, it was all about, like, how all his guests were starving, and he refused to give them, like, more than, like, a couple bites of food. Yeah. But one, they go to, like, a local barn at the end to have, like, a good old time in a barn. And I really got a sense of, like, how Halloween was for him as a kid. Mm. And bobbing for apples. And alcohol implied, when they say apple cider, it would mean, like, it's been fermenting. Mm. So that's an apple cider. And singing and dancing. Cute. Like that was his throwback Halloween. Nice. Oh, Jack, let's join the gang. They're over there bobbing for apples. Say, that's a lot of fun, bobbing for apples. It sure is. Let's go, Mary. If you find one with teeth in it, it's mine. <laughs> and in another one, Dennis Day's mother, who's always like a real battle axe, <laughs> makes some pumpkin pie. And that's when I'm like, oh, my God. We are so goofy for pumpkin spice everything. But we don't eat pumpkin pie. But we don't eat pumpkin pie. November. Yeah. yeah. This morning I had pumpkin spice shredded wheat. It was okay. I like pumpkin spice shredded wheat. I think it's good. And Not as good as a slice of pumpkin pie, am I right? But yeah, we managed to put pumpkin spice in everything. But we save the origin of pumpkin spice, really, for November. Yeah. For Thanksgiving. It's weird. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so he goes trick-or-treating. Um, yes, so we were just talking about a few other episodes, but the one we're going to focus on here is from Halloween Night 1948, sponsored by Lucky, Lucky Strike. C- Lucky Strike Cigarettes, which their tagline was always LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Yeah. And they would sing about LSMFT. And everyone knew what LSMFT meant. And there is a song where Jack and a bunch of other people pretend they're goblins. He just runs into his, like, singers, like, yeah. hey, we're working on something for the show. Yeah. Well, let's hear it. In, like, an abandoned house. Like, <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, I didn't see you there. And they're like, we're working on a thing. So then they all sing a song about Lucky Strike fine tobacco. We are the goblins who know where the warm breezes blow. And tobacco leaves grow. L-S-M-F-T. That's a smoke for me. So, in general, I wrote down kind of a, a summation of tricks. See if any I haven't mentioned so far. Just tapping on windows and making spooky noises. I was discussing Ozzy and Harriet. The Great Gildersleeve breaks down. Fill two buckets of water, place on either side of a walk, and you tie a string between the two. So when someone like walks through, Aww. they like trip and get their shoes wet. Oh man. Somebody might trip and hurt themselves badly. Remember that. Yes, sir. There's one other thing to remember. What's that? Only fill the buckets halfway. It won't work if they're full. <laughs> but often, often stealing things and leaving them where the victim uh-huh. uh, where they can find it it was never like stealing something and now it's mine I'm gonna go pawn it it was just like moving something from one place to another yeah which is good to know that by and large the tradition of Halloween was not just out and out theft <laughs> and soaping windows you can always wash it off right you know the mischief of Halloween was pretty tepid um, but rampant and you can hear all about it in old time radio. Well, tomorrow night is Halloween, and 
When the little spooks and goblins and the dime store false faces and the bedsheets knock on your door, be nice to them. Yeah. Remember that we were that age once. Yeah, and I don't know about you people, but some of the stuff I got into at that age, I'm lucky I didn't get killed. It's a wonder I ever grew up. Did you? What? Huh? Oh, <laughs> good night. Good night, all. Time for trick-or-treating and my delicious chocolate cereal, Count Chocula. Halloween is the perfect time to scare up a nutritious breakfast with my delicious strawberry-flavored Frankenberry. Yeah. Count Chocula. Last Halloweenies, we covered Halloween commercials, but we did not cover the monster cereals. That's right. Part because they were offered all year up until relatively recently. Now, they're only available at Halloween for like two months, so go out and get yours. Also, I knew that we would eventually do like a whole segment on them because they are a real part of Halloween at this point. Yeah. I want to say. At least for me. And me now that they've been withheld to only come out at Halloween time, they are a sign that Halloween is coming just as sure as the leaves changing colors. I get a charge for my delicious strawberry-flavored cereal, Frankenberry. Part of what we would talk about when it came to the commercials was how they would manage to sort of inundate us to the classic horror. And probably for a lot of us, at least maybe a lot of us our age, an introduction to the classic monsters came in the form of the mascots to the monster cereals. Today we'll have a ball at breakfast with my delicious cereal. Count Chocula. Ah, music to my ears. Mmm, delicious chocolatey flavor and tasty marshmallows. So, my favorite, which is the one that I grew up eating as a kid, Yeah. long before I realized that, like, you could get these year-round, and I didn't think about that. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what part of the year I ever ate them as a kid. Right, me But I neither. definitely ate them definitely. at some point. So my personal favorite is Count Chocula. Really? Okay, yeah. uh, mine is uh, Frankenberry. Really? In depiction of the mascot and taste. Very cute. So back in 1971, folks, cereals had reached a point where uh, they were starting to put tiny marshmallows in them. I think Lucky Charms kind of led the way. I've read. <sighs> And, of course, uh, mascots were nothing new. Don't be scared. So, first two in 1971 came out at the same time, Count Chocula and Frankenberry. Yes. And Count Chocula, the mascot, is a vampire. It's a vampire. He's got one... Actually, I think he's got, like, two buck teeth. <laughs> yeah, he does. But they're right in the front, so they're not fangs on either side. Right. Just, like, two buck teeth coming out. Yeah hair that comes up pointed like a bat. I used to think it was a cowl, but then I saw him brush it in, uh, in yeah. one cartoon. <laughs> and so now I realize it's his hair. He's got like a long nose and pointed ears. My cow Chocula is the cereal with goblin good chocolate flavored marshmallows. But he certainly dresses like Dracula. Yeah. Except does. it's all brown because all he's Chocula. Yeah. And of course, that's chocolate cereal, which in the beginning was kind of like a mesh. Like they looked like little buttons almost. Mm-hmm. And sweeties. Little chocolate sweeties. Yeah, they called them sweeties in the commercials. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're little they're, they're uh, just squares. freeze-dried marshmallows. Yeah, freeze-dried marshmallows. Little squares. They get soft in milk. Turn your milk into, like, chocolate milk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just like the Universal Monsters, King of the Monsters, boom, Dracula. Follow-up, boom, Frankenstein. Yep. 
or Frankenberry. Yes. My Frankenberry is the cereal with monstrously delicious strawberry-flavored marshmallows. Frankenberry is pink all over with chains for suspenders. A hulking fellow. <laughs> and just like Count Chocula has the Hungarian Dracula accent, yeah. Frankenberry talks like Boris Karloff. Mm-hmm. And not as he ever did as... He's not like, mmm, good. He's not that Frankenstein. No. He's the, uh, oh, piffle. Mm-hmm. You know, part of this complete breakfast. Yes. Our mind is like strawberries. The British gentleman with a lisp, <laughs> <Yeah>. basically, <laughs> is what Frankenberry gives us. And he's got some, like, steam gauges coming out of the side of his head. His head... I just figured out is shaped like a strawberry. It sure is. It's not flat on top like traditional Frankenstein, and it's not a butt, which no. it kind of looks like. It's a little bit of a butt. But even but. his butt, I was watching a commercial today. When he bends over, his butt kind of also looks like a strawberry. <laughs> He's got strawberries for fingernails. Yeah. And much like his pal Count Chocula, they are afraid of everything. It is an absolute through line. I did not realize. They are so frightened of everything. They're like, my cereal is amazing and I am a scary monster. And then someone walks in the door and they're like, ah! And they're hiding behind the couch. Yeah, I think they had to go out of their way to not be scary to children. Mm. And the best way to do that was say, well, these monsters are afraid. Hi. And so if you're watching, like, oh, these guys are no problem for me. (laughs) And it went from there to when Booberry got introduced... A little later. Hello, my name is Boo. (laughs) Let me finish. Booberry. Booberry, they say, is the first ever blueberry flavored cereal. I enjoy Booberry. I have a box at home now. Did you get the family size? Yeah. I didn't, but I bought nine. Damn. Oh, yeah, I saw your picture. You've got a um, bin. Yeah. And that that lasts you a year if you're an adult about your breakfast. Yeah. I don't eat a monster cereal like if like I got to get to work. Let me pour out a bowl of monster cereal. It's like a day off. It's like a Saturday morning treat. Literally, yeah. 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 You know, I'm leisurely going to eat my cereal. Let yeah. me uh, get out a box with a maze on the back. Sure. Oh, don't cry. It's me, Booberry, with my ghostly good cereal, Booberry. Booberry has a Peter Lorre voice, in addition to like a bow tie and a, a hat, uh, and he's got chains. His chains have a uh, box of booberry at the other end. And now that's something all new for Count Chocula and Frankenberry to be afraid of because booberry shows up and they're like, ah, it's booberry! And they yep. flee from him because he's scary because everything's scary to them. And look and listen to this a boo hooter. Boo your friends with crazy hoots. One of the things I enjoyed in watching the commercials, which I recommend doing, and they're super fun, but seeing the toys over the years that were included, yes. including one year a boo hooter is what they called it. It's, and a, it's, kazoo, really, it's a kazoo. But, but they were like, get, get this boo hooter. Star Wars stickers. There was another box that came with monster noses, ears, and eyes, like things you could put on yourself. Yeah. That kind of stuff is super fun. Here's a sure Halloween hit, the Monster Disguise Kit. Scratch and sniff stickers, iron-ons, sometimes just other candy. The box itself could be a prize. I know one, it's like, see what Bigfoot actually looks like. And the back was like a connect the dots. So you would connect the dots and it would turn into a what Bigfoot actually looks like. Or... A 3D box. There were like glasses inside. A glow-in-the-dark box. Cut-out masks from the back of the box. You know, bam. 
Get yourself yep. a Frankenberry mask. Yep. Oh, that sounds familiar. I think I might have had one of those. Yeah. As an adult, as I was just sort of getting back into monster cereals, they had like stay out of my room type of stuff. Like, I want you to stay out. And another one was like, dangerous experiments inside. And I like cut those out and I actually put them, put them on the door and took one into work. That's cute. Fruit, quiet. Fruit Root joined the team in 1974, which I'd never heard of until uh, Pulp Fiction. Right. You can see Fruit Root. And I found out you can also see Fruit Root in Reservoir Dogs in uh, Mr. Orange's apartment. But it's, nice. it's far less prominently displayed. But new Fruit Root has fruit-flavored sweeties for the howling good taste of fruit. Fruit Root would wear suspenders, look like a wolf, and go fruit when he howled, though he was discontinued in 1982. So part of what was great about when they brought them all back is because they had never previously existed at the same time. Because Yummy Mummy wasn't until 1989. Until uh, 92. He was pretty short-lived. And now new fruity yummy mummy cereal. Part of this complete breakfast. Makes your dummy go yummy. <laughs> For the commercials, I am really glad that they didn't just hire one guy to do all three voices. Sure. Any of these voice artists that they hired could have done all the voices. But instead, they made it, you know, this guy's Count Chocula, this guy's Frankenberry, and this guy's Booberry. Frankenberry! Count Chocula! <laughs> Booberry! So, Count Chocula was originally a guy named Jim Dukas, but in 1978, Larry Kenny took over. And he's notable because his daughter is Carrie Kenny, who you might know from Reno 911. I did it! I did something! Frankenberry, Bob McFadden. For fans of uh, Thundercats, he was Snarf. Snarf. But Booberry was Paul Freeze. Well, then let's do this. Yeah. You want me to do it very breathy like that? Or, yeah. All right. Paul Freeze was the ghost host. Yes, I was going to say that sounds familiar. Yeah. He was a very accomplished voice actor, but uh, for you and I in this podcast, he was the Disney's Haunted Mansion ghost host. Where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present. And if you listen to that CD that came out for the Haunted Mansion, Mm -hmm. you can hear him just kind of burning through, like his Dracula voice and his Peter Lorre voice. Yeah. He could have just sat down and done all of them, but they kept them separate. Just a stamp of quality. I know there's a lot of products that, when it's for kids... They're just like, ah, kids are dumb. What do they know? Yeah. And they'll just, you know, pop something out. What a spooky hotel. Home, isn't it? It's Blueberry. And I do love that the ads, I mean, the ads changed over the years. It's, you know, 40 years worth of ads. But they would often just sort of set them in like a regular place. It wasn't always like a dungeon. Sometimes they'd be living together, Bert and Ernie style. And there'd be little uh, touches, little like cobwebs, candelabras, lots of maces. You know, the, the ball with the spikes? Yeah. That kind of a mace. A revolving bookcase or maybe a revolving, you know, wall for someone to come out of. Uh, a little spooky. I remember once uh, Frankenberry dropped out of a Murphy bed. Like, he was already in it and he just dropped down. Yeah. You know, because him and Count Chaco are roommates now. Even though they're often at odds with each other, as traditionally, you know, the Universal Monsters would be. Right. Just over who had the better cereal. Kids love Count Chocula. Kids love Frankenberry. And I love their commercials. <laughs> but okay, so they came out in 1971. Do you recall what happened in 1972? Oh, is this the poop gate? Frankenberry stool. Frankenberry stool. Probably the most delightful factoid uh, that I learned during my research for Boys and Ghouls. Halloweenies 4 yeah. is this is, fact. Okay, and the fact is that pretty soon in their run, the in die... In run? 
I see what you did there. Uh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Children's poo started turning pink. <laughs> Parents were freaking out. Because they thought their children were internally bleeding. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of kids wound up in the hospital. They were fine. they just eaten Frankenberry. They just had Franken-poop. Referred to as Frankenberry stool. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that. I like Franken poop better, but they can't. That's not very official. <laughs> yeah. I'm very glad that uh, General Mills didn't just scrap the whole thing. You know, it was a new product. They yeah, could have just been like. Yeah, they easily could have. Yeah. They were like, ah, so much for that. On to the next yeah. thing. But they were like, no, no, we'll get the dye adjusted. We'll make sure it doesn't make you poop pink. But this all sounded kind of familiar to me. And that's because of Mr. Stephen King. Stephen King's chilling novel is now a movie. Cujo. In Cujo. Mm, I haven't read it. That's Have you one seen the I movie? Read. Uh, not in years. Spoiler for when you read it and revisit it. I know uh-huh. you're trying to work your way through all of the Stephen I am. King books. I'm on uh, Firestarter right now. So part of why no one comes to find the mom and the son is because... The husband, who wasn't like, hey, where's my wife and son? I better go look for them at this farm. Is because he's been called away on business. He's an ad man, and one of his biggest clients is the Sharp Cereal Company, which, ugh, sharp. Youch. Whose berry-flavored cereal has a red dye that, while not toxic, when vomited up or pooed out, looks a lot like blood. So not just pink like Frankenberry, but this stuff was like red. And right. so he's got to go and like deal with that. And then, meanwhile, a rabid dog attacks his wife and child. Right. Nice. And Frankenberry is uh, name-checked in Cujo. They're just sort of, like, describing the cereal and the sort of latest trends of including, like, sweeties. So it was like Frankenberry and Count Chaco are both mentioned in the book. For Compared to the red raspberry zingers, which far more resemble blood than Frankenberry ever did. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this whole scandal found its way. You know, because the book was... In 1981, so like eight years after the whole Frankenstool thing, I'm going to say, I'm saying it, a direct inspiration Yeah. for uh, horror master Stephen King. I think that's King. Yeah. yeah. So horror created uh, Frankenberry and Count Chocula, and then uh, they helped create a little horror. Life imitating art imitating, you know, life. Which imitates art. Yep. Mm-hmm. As a cereal over the years, the rather generic looking uh, cereal bits became ghosts, I think sometime in the 90s. And then following that, the marshmallows themselves were no longer just squares. Booberry got ghost shapes. They all got ghost shapes, I think, at first. And then uh, Frankenberry has shapes that kind of like his own head. Whereas Count Chocula naturally has bats, chocolate bats. And if you look at my socks, my Count Chocula socks, uh-huh. bats. Yep. And ghosts. And then, of course, Booberry, uh, they all kept the ghost cereal shapes. And Booberry kept the ghost marshmallow shapes. I think those are all really cool improvements. Yeah. I created something big. Big marshmallows. Huge marshmallows. So monstrously huge, they're monster mellows. Special new marshmallows shaped like ghosts. Shaggy, the mystery machine, and the god Scooby-Doo for a limited time. Chocolatey bats, tombstones, mummies, and red-eyed ghosts. Intense. Wow, bright lightning marshmallows. Intense. Will it be Frankenstein? The mummy? The swirl ghost? Or the werewolf? And the new chocolatey marshmallow is... All of them? 
they went through a lot of promotions. At one point, they were like, with Count Chocula's shiniest box ever. I'm like, is that, is that really making the kids want Count Chocula? I'm glad they're no longer running themselves around trying to, like, come up with new zany things to promote a pretty classic. Things that were already classic even when they were brand new. Right. I'd say the classic monsters to just settle into, like, one classic presentation of box and cereal. How about that monster for breakfast Well, I'm clearly on board with it. The Monster Cereals, Couchocula, Frankenberry, and Booberry present The Monsters Go Disco. But this is an audio medium. It's not great for experiencing cereal, you know, through the sound waves. But one of the best giveaways in the cereal boxes was 1979. They created three five-minute albums on Flexi-Disc records. It was just sort of attached to the box. On flexi-disc? How modern. And, and place it on your hi-fi turntable. And you could hear one of three stories. Uh, Count Chocula goes to Hollywood. Monster adventure in outer space. Or, for my money, the best one, Monsters Go Disco. And that's when you've put on a Halloween mix for me. Yeah. Let's go disco. Disco where? Disco's here, disco's there. <laughs> they win a dance contest, but at the end of it, they're like, oh, my feet are tired. I'm going back to Monster Mansion to eat my delicious Count Chocula cereal. Yeah. Uh, Count Chocula goes to Hollywood. Uh, he enters a lookalike contest and gets a part in the movie Haunted House on the Range. But it turns out uh, he's actually the stuntman, and he just gets knocked around for a while, and he's like, all these kind of end the same, which is... Forget this. I'm going back to Monster Mansion to eat my cereal. Sure. And then their adventure in outer space is fine. But uh, for a good time, Monsters Go Disco. Here we are at the hottest disco in town. The graveyard groove. It's very entertaining. I remember when you put it on the mix for me a couple of years ago, I was like, what is this? Like, it was. it's yeah. so silly and fun. And it's all within five minutes. It's a brief good time. And folks... It's all on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So do yourself a favor this Halloween season. You know, if monster cereals aren't your thing, but you still want to appreciate some real entry-level classic monster good times, check out Monsters Go Disco, 1979. You started a whole new dance craze, baby. It's, it's Monster Mania. Everybody's moving to Monster Mania. Hit it, boys. There's a new craze sweeping the country. Well, I can barely believe how Marshall, I yeah. can <laughs> Did throw you off your game? Yeah. Marshall, I can barely believe this is our fourth Halloweenies episode and our what? Sixth Halloween episode? Do you wanna you wanna count them? Well, I wrote them down. Oh, so yeah. because I wanted to recommend if you're listening to this and you If you like what you hear. If you haven't gone through our entire catalogs, we have like pushing eighty episodes at this point. But if you want to listen to our other Halloween-themed episodes... Uh, Specific going, to Halloween. Going all the way back to 2012, our first October episode was It's Halloween, which was about 
the movie Halloween. And her own Halloween memories. And her own Halloween memories. The 1978 movie Halloween. 2013, we did Halloween specials, where we talked about specials on television. Really good time. 2014, we did A Brief History of Halloween. Very informative. We did a lot of research for it. It's a good one if you want to learn, but also fun. Um, 2015, we did Halloween Haunts, where we talked about home haunts, extreme haunts, the history of haunts. Yeah. Super fun. And then we kicked off in 2016 our Halloweenies series, which was Marshall's idea, which was kind of a grab bag where we discussed three to like four topics. Three to four topics. And this year, 2019, is our fourth Halloweenies episode. Yeah. Um, In the past, we've like enjoyed it. Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, mm-hmm. The Haunted Mansion. Didn't we do a Halloween 2? I think yeah, those we were Halloween 2. We covered Halloween, Halloween 2. We covered Season No, 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 Halloween 2. One. We covered 3. Halloween 2 was part of a um, an exchange. Oh, okay. Got it. When we did that, we did Trick or Treat and the WNUF Halloween special. Oh, that's right. We did. Yeah. And all the, the Roseanne Halloween yeah. episodes. And Halloween SNL. Yeah, SNL Halloween skits. Yeah, so those are super fun. Yeah, all, all the, the, the hallmarks of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Not just candy, not just tricks, not just horror. Yeah. It, it really comes at you from a lot of angles, and we're trying to cover all of them. Yep. So, folks, have yourself a good Halloween, or we always strive to be evergreens whenever you're listening to this. Yeah, if you, maybe you're listening to this because it's March, and you're... You're missing a little bit of that Halloween spirit. Or it's hopefully we're bringing it to you. November 1st, and just like Midnight Hour, you couldn't get around to it until <laughs> just after Halloween. If you're like us, you need a little help getting into the Halloween spirit. And much like the Frankenberry Count Chocolate Blueberry cereals, much like the misguided Midnight Hour, and much like they've been waiting for you literally your entire life, old-time radio Halloween episodes or just really scary episodes that can really get you in the Halloween mood. Uh, Any of these things and some boys and ghouls episodes could get you nicely into that Halloween spirit. And uh, if you've made it to the end of this episode, you probably agree with me. So thank you very much for tuning in. And of course you can find us on Facebook. Anywhere you search for us, we're there. Tumblr. Tons of Instagram people. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. All free. Yeah. You'll find us there posting our spooky goings on or just like wonderfully spooky things we find on the internet ourselves and just want to share. Uh, Kat, until next time? Until next time, I would say it's probably wise, especially in October, to Mm. beware the moon. Now that we've seen the last of Dracula, the Wolfman and the Monster, there's nobody to break us anymore. Oh, that's too bad. I was hoping to get in on the excitement. Who said that? Allow me to introduce myself. I'm the Invisible Man. (laughs) (laughs) And now we return to our graves. The old and the new. And you... They join us soon.